welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including reviews and interviews. Crash landing on Earth from the planet Galaluna. I'll be your host, Sean Paul Ellis. And joining me, he is the heart, body, and mind of this show. My co-host, Dave Trombord. David, 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 how you doing, buddy? Doing good, bud. Heart, body, and mind over here. What uh, what part are you playing again? Oh, me? Yeah. I, I mean, I can I can be any one of the three. So, so uh, we're just going to swap out, I guess? I, well, I... <laughs> I mean, I guess, is there just like a third one that we have that we're just like, it's just sort of a vacant position that we, we put maybe like a job listing up for and have somebody submit? Like the, just the bulletin it? board kind of thing? Do you want to be a soul? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Done. Sean's a soul. Oh, perfect. Well, I was going to say, you know, this week is a little bit interesting mm. because there's the two of us, mm-hmm. but we also have a very special recommendation this week. We do. And that could be heart, body, and mind right there. I like it. Okay, that's better. What's Bobby, though? Can Bobby oh, be Bobby? the soul? Yeah, Bobby's the soul. Okay, Bobby's perfect. The soul. We figured it out eventually. Yeah, we got there. And now Don't we can combine it. to form the most powerful podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, hopefully, everybody clearly understands what we were able to articulate as the cartoon that we're watching for the show. Definitely not. Clearly we've gotten there so far. We are actually going to be talking about symbionic Titan. Yeah. And this show is very fun because guess what? Dave. Yeah. It's a recommendation. Oh, okay. I thought you just meant like in general, it was fun. Yeah. But this episode of the podcast is fun because it's a listener recommendation. Exactly. So we have a listener recommendation uh, this one here today, Symbionic Titan, this is a recommendation from listener Jesse. Jesse called in, left us a message, so thank you, Jesse. Let's hear from Jesse. Jesse, take it away. Hi, guys. Big fan. Uh, my name's Jesse. I have a suggestion, um, but I think you guys should review Symbionic Titan. Uh, it was a show by Jendi Tartakovsky uh, before the Samurai Jack reboot, before Primal, after Clone Wars. Um, I feel like it's his least known show, but it's totally my favorite. It's kind of like Voltron uh, inspired, you know, teens with a giant robot. But it's really cool. Uh, graphics action is awesome, obviously. Uh, yeah, so I think you guys will enjoy it. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jesse, we always appreciate this. Just to hear you say action in this is awesome. True statement. That's pretty factual. I will say, too, this is going to be a double recommendation, uh, even though the second one is, is more unofficial. Uh, former guest on the show and regular contributor over to Collider.com uh, and just pal of both of us, Rafael Motomayor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he told me to watch Symbionic Titan a long time ago, and we'll talk about why, because it is a, a Gendy tartakovsky joint. So if you want to complete your Tartakovsky collection... You need to add Symbionic Titan to that. It may have slipped through the cracks. You may have missed this one, but it's definitely one that's uh, worth watching. Add to your collection. A lot of you have made recommendations for cartoons that we should watch over social media or in the comments on YouTube. Guess what? We read them, but being able to record them, you don't get the proper shout out that we should give to you. So if you want to recommend a cartoon to us, go to the bio of any of our social media accounts Click on our link tree. There's a button there that says you can suggest a cartoon. On that form, if you want to go one step further, you can give us a call, 202-681-4406. This ensures that you get the proper shout-out, as Jesse did by calling that number. And 
If you call, we will 100% review your cartoon. Why? We have cartoon lawyers breathing down our necks right now. We have to review these shows that you call in and tell us. They are now taking precedent. I think we have uh, like a handful of them that are queued up right now, ready to go. So if you have called in recently and left a message, get ready. They are up and coming. Why do we do this, Dave? We love to hear what we missed. This is what, episode 276? That's right. We could probably go another 276 and still probably miss a cartoon that you, yes, you, listening right now, love. We want to get to that. We want to know why it was important, why you enjoyed it. And like I said, cartoon lawyers are making us do this, whether we want to or not. So, <laughs> And we do. And we do. Legally. <laughs> According to cartoon law, that's how this is going to function. That's right. You know, ever since I introduced this concept, I've been kicking myself about it the entire time. <laughs> it's, it started as like a cartoon lawyer, and now that we've got like a whole a fleet of them, they're like cartoon law and associates. There's a lot of them up a whole there. law firm. Whole it's law crazy. Firm. HBO Max is actually greenlighting an origin story for the cartoon lawyers. Nobody asks for it, but you're going to get it anyway. Yeah, and it's going to be four hours long directed by Zack Snyder. Yep, stay tuned. Uh, nobody cares. Um, <laughs> yay! So, what is Symbionic Titan <laughs> That's about? Great, great question. Yeah, great question. Very great I'm question. I'm still trying to figure it out, honestly. But Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of stuff, and I can't wait to kind of get in and talk a little bit about this in order to kind of get a synopsis of what we're going to be talking about tonight, we're going to kick this over to the longtime friend and listener of the show, Bobby Anthem, for this week's synopsis. So, Bobby, take it away. Symbionic Titan is an American animated action science fiction television series created by Gendy Tartakovsky, Brian Andrews, and Paul Rudis for Cartoon Network. Symbionic Titan features the adventures of three beings from the planet Galaluna who crash land on Earth while attempting to escape their war-torn world. The series follows the lives of Lance, Alana, and Octus, two alien teens and a robot in the form of humanoids who arrive on Earth, an identical planet to Galaluna, while fleeing an evil general who has taken over their home planet with the help of monstrous creatures called Matradi. When called into battle, the Galalunans are outfitted with armor that provides more than ample protection. It is when the gravest of danger appears that Octus activates the symbionic defense program and he, Alana, and Lance unite heart, body, and mind and come together to form the spectacular cyber giant Symbionic Titan. Awesome. I think we've actually already made a decision about what Bobby is going to be in this this show. He's the soul. Yeah. He's the soul of the show. It doesn't work without him. Like, without him, we're basically just a couple of idiots just fumbling around out here as best we can, and it's not quite as good as it could be without him, so. Six years, hundreds of thousands of downloads, and it's just just, it was just two stupid dum-dums flailing around, and then Bobby's like, don't worry, I got you guys on this one. Let me just put this together into something (laughs) half-functional. I appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate it, Bobby. Thank you, as always. For Symbionic Titan, yeah. we're going to get into the good, the bad, and the LOL. Is that a spaghetti western? Sure. It could be. And I would actually love to see a Clint Eastwood version of the good, the bad, and the LOL. Or at least the cause... Clint Eastwood cut. <laughs> That'd be super fun. 
For the good, we're going to talk about what worked for this show. The bad, we're going to talk about things that were maybe a little bit of a miss for us. For the LOL, we're going to talk about stuff that made us laugh, whether it was intentional or unintentional for the show. All of this is under the the warm gravity blanket of understanding that a lot of time, energy, and especially money goes into creating all of these passion projects and things that we talk about for these cartoons. So let's get into it. Which ones, uh, what do we watch? Because we have 20 episodes in the first and only season of this series. So how do we narrow that down? Oh, so we actually went on IMDb and yeah. we checked it out. And it turns out that their top rated episode was episode 18, A Family Crisis. I think that was actually tied with 19 uh, following that, The Steel Foe. I think they had the same score. So okay. because of that, we couldn't really decide. And then we were like, well... Uh, there's only one episode left in the season, so you might as well watch that too. And then Sean went a step further and was like, well, what did you end up watching in addition? Uh, just episode one. Yeah. I, I needed something to kind of <laughs> ease ease into this show. The bonus is that all 20 episodes are available right now on Netflix yeah. for you to watch. So relatively accessible. I'm pretty sure you could probably find these elsewhere on the internet too. Yeah. Just thankful that we could very quickly and easily find yes, and watch for once. a bunch of these. Without yeah, me sending once. Sean a bunch of bot links that download <laughs> a whole bunch of nasty stuff on his computer. <laughs> it's fine. I, this is, I'm on my fifth computer now. <laughs> it's just <laughs> every, Guys, I don't know if you know this, but every episode we record, we throw the entire computer out afterwards. This Not show just is the hard so drive. wasteful. It's so expensive to run this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> It's 276 odd computers. As soon as this one's done, we crumble up the computer and just toss it out the window. We also buy really, really cheap, like malleable computers. At yeah, this point it's smoking at this point up, in yeah. the middle of just recording it. So the simple fact that these episodes even get released is amazing in and of itself. You're not really. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's a, a minor miracle every week. So we hope you enjoy. Absolutely. Dave, let's get into the good. What were some things that really worked for you for Symbionic Titan? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, this is a Tartakovsky joint. So, Mm -hmm. look, and we talked about this previous to the show, but if you hadn't told me this was from Gendy Tartakovsky and you just sat me down in front of it and made me watch an episode, I probably would have picked up pretty quickly that it was Tartakovsky. He's got a very kind of signature look to his characters. If you ever watch him draw, you can see... All of his characters pretty much come from basic shapes. And he mentioned, you know, this is probably going back 20, 25 years ago, but when he started to get into, like, a a high volume of production of drawings, he pretty much figured out, like, start with the basic shapes and then slightly embellish from there. And that's pretty much what you've got with your characters. So if you go back and look at his collection of characters, you can see kind of the basic shapes that they come from. You can also kind of see that in these characters, too, even though they are a little more more realistic, uh, a little more human. But you can also see things in, you know, the choice of music. This was another Tyler Bates composition, which he and Tartakovsky have worked together for a long time. The music is very similar. The editing style is very similar. The kind of uh, very pop culture steeped lore and mythology and everything. There's a lot of things that kind of point to this being a Tartakovsky joint. Not all of them great. Not all of them for the the better. uh, But it's definitely a Tartakovsky original. And I love seeing that. I love being able to add that to my collection. Um, what about you? Did that kind of stand out to you at all that like this was a signature piece from a, a unique creative voice? Absolutely. I, you know, the, the things that kind of came out in and around this time since this was released in 2010 yeah. and concluded in 2011, 
there were actually two shows that were non-Tartakovsky that came out, I think, before. One of which we've talked about on the show, My Life as a Teenage Robot, right. as a part of one of our New Year's Nicktoons. Uh, but also Clone High, you know, just in terms of sort of the uh, the, the varying styles and thicknesses of lines that kind of uh, surround some of the characters. There's a lot of this impression of like very small wrists. Yeah. Like I, that the, are carrying the giant structure, weapons. Yeah. yeah. Or heads. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but then even smaller waists yeah. in certain cases for characters. And then the complete opposite of that, which if a character is a little bit bigger uh, you know, such as Octus yeah. or, or Slash Newton. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's an absolute unit of a human, like a total chonk. It's just a square, uh, like it's just yeah. a cube. So, but, it, but it, you know, just the, the varying styles that they have for a lot of these, these characters are very interesting. Um, you know, and, and Tartakovsky has done a lot, you know, like just small lines underneath eyes to kind of show fatigue or, or people being very like weary. So to your point, a lot of this definitely felt Tartakovsky. Uh, at the same time, I think in the 2000s, there were a lot of people that were kind of looking at maybe the success of Dexter's Lab. Samurai uh, Jack. Maybe yeah. Samurai Jack. You know, they were working with Cartoon Network Studios at a lot of these points. And so I, I'm positive that there was a lot of uh, crossover uh, or, or cross-pollination in terms yeah. of ideas and character design that they had, sort of in the same way that we talk about Cal Art and sort style. of the, the Cartoon yeah. Network style that they have that's out there right now. It's very interesting in kind of like researching and looking at Tartakovsky that he had started a company that was called The Orphanage. Yeah, I think The Orphanage existed, right? And then he spun off The Orphanage Animation. So it was like The Orphanage Animation Studios, and they were, this was the only thing that they actually produced. Correct. So they had, they had other they had stuff another, in, yeah. They had another uh, ill-fated film that was queued up, which was a Dark Crystal. The piece Power of the Dark Crystal that never so got sad. made. But this is the only symbiotic Titan is the only cartoon that they ever actually made from their animation studio, which I yeah. thought was kind of which was interesting. It's a bummer though, too, because this whole series, and we'll, we'll talk about whether it was kind of worth your watch or not. But it only had one season, and this was still. I, th I guess this is still the case today, but they couldn't come up with a toy line or a product line for it. I don't right. know how, because one of the first things I looked for was the action figures for the show when I was watching. It. I was just like, I would love to have like each of the individual kind of like their Titan forms and then right. the overall Titan itself. Plus the Kaiju designs are really cool. They're, yes. you, they're what you expect. You know, they almost look like the, the monsters from like the 2000 era uh, Godzilla cartoon, but... Yeah. I like the designs of them. I like the designs of that cartoon. I like the designs of this one. Uh, they didn't have any action figures. So you can't right. find it. And then they canceled it after one season because they didn't have enough of the residual money to to keep that going. But, you know, Netflix right now, you can green light a second season of Symbionic Titan and uh, Dark Crystal. I would love it if you did both, please. Any Anytime you want to do that, guys. I just don't know what jump, you're doing. Just jump in. Just Why jump not? In. What's interesting, these, there are 10 scripts already written for a second season of Symbionic Titan. Oh, really? Supposedly, yeah. Tartakovsky hmm. said he and his team had written an additional 10 episodes. But again, this was going on 10 plus years ago now. So yeah. it feels like one of those things that he you know, may revisit in the future, but it seems like he's kind of moved on. Right. So yeah. that means if you have Netflix and you go and you stream this <laughs> in mass, maybe suddenly somebody will reach out to Tartakovsky and say, hey, suddenly Symbionic Titan is doing really, really well on a streaming channel. 
maybe get that green light. Look, guys, I check the top 10 TV every day because I have to for the job. Uh, I've yet to see Symbionic Titan on there, but Avatar has been hanging on for a few weeks in uh, in the mid-range between three and six uh, spots. Kipo is not on there. I was actually really disappointed in that. Shira was on there when the the finale was running, and Avatar is on there now that they actually have the the seasons up and running. But I'd I'd love for an animation push, just like take over all of it. To be fair, right now, uh, F is for family, and um, Pokemon Journeys are both on the top ten. So I guess that's a good thing, too. But uh, this is probably, it'll change in the next week, I'm sure. We just want to keep Bill Burr in that top ten. Whatever we need to do in order to maintain top ten for Bill Burr. And Pikachu. And Pikachu. Yeah. You what, what are we? What are we talking yeah. about today? Pikachu? You meant. Well, I was going to say you mentioned a little bit about design, Dave. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, did you have any thoughts? Because I there was a lot about this cartoon that felt very accessible to me because of references to other things. But 100%. I wanted to get your impression. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the fact that you have your two main characters are kind of uh, they're they're aliens. Uh, well, three main characters, I guess. They're all aliens slash robots. So Ilana is a princess. Lance is kind of a, a, a rough and tumble fighter. And uh, and then you've got Octus slash Newton, who is essentially a robot, but then has a bunch of different kind of appearances that he can take on. Right. Um, so the idea is that you form all three of these together into the symbionic Titan, which is the giant fighting robot that you come to know and love. But, you know, when I say Lance, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, Lance, he looks like Keith from Voltron. He's 100, and even not just look like, but like his attitude. He's got the attitude right. of Keith from even the new Voltron. Um, right. But yeah, the old, it's that old kind of tropey hero with like the long black hair and the bad attitude. And he's going to, he's got a heart so, of gold. So moody. He's so moody. I love it. Uh, so it's part trope, but also they, they poke a little fun at it here and there. They give him things to do uh, that are that play into that trope and then some things that are kind of a little funnier on the outside of it. Tartakovsky does bring a ton of his kind of signature humor, which comes in at weird times. Just when you think it's going to be like a super dramatic moment, maybe somebody brings in a sandwich and just makes a comment about it. So it's pretty funny. (laughs) Or, you know, it can go in the other direction. He's got some wild swings. Um, Ilana probably has the weirdest design out of everybody. She's got like a perfectly round head and then kind of a, like Sean was talking about with like the pinched, joints (laughs) joints <laughs> so it was like her waist her wrists her ankles are all like pinched into non-existence uh but definitely an interesting character design yet another alien princess fighting a rebellion piloting a giant robot i honestly think i think octus might be my favorite design because it's so weird between octus newton the the kind of dad figure with the orange turtleneck right, right. and they're all just like they're built like oxes, like you said. Like, they're just cubes. They're just cubes with a head on top. But then when you actually get the robot design, I thought that was pretty cool. It was interesting to see kind of a bioelectric, bioengineered robot that was sort of... How would you describe it? It kind of felt like a disembodied ghost. Yeah, like or I was going to say like a, like a jellyfish in like a walking aquarium kind of thing. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of... It's weird looking. Yeah, a ghost of a jellyfish. A, a jellyfish ghost. We got it. Jelly ghost. I feel like that's in a Mario game, but uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. But it was interesting. No, yeah. Yeah. I felt like uh, I felt like Octus was one of the more really original characters yes. that was in this show. And, and each persona that he projects was also very, very fun. <laughs> yeah. Who uh, did you, know, you like I, more? Did you like the, the dad or kind of the brother version more? Oh, I, I love the Newton character. I thought the Newton character just made me laugh 
a lot. Yeah. I, I, especially, I, I enjoy Brian Posehn. Sure. I've been a fan of Brian Posehn's comedy for a long time. When when you and I were actually living in Pittsburgh, I went to go see uh, the uh, was it um, comedians of comedy tour mm. with Patton Oswalt, Brian Posehn, Maria Bamford. So. And I've I've read some of Brian's comics that he's put out there. So to be able to kind of see him in this perfect casting on <laughs> their part, perfect delivery in terms of how Brian Posehn sounds and what he's able to do. We'll talk it, about that. Awesome. Yeah. 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 It was Actually, great. do you want to talk about that since you're talking about kind of the voice acting and how they match the characters or do you want to wait? Well, sure. I also wanted to say just about sort of the accessibility. You know, you mentioned Ilana. She really looks like Ashi. Yeah. Uh, at least the haircut is identical to what was in Samurai Jack. Yeah, and even so, the proportions and design are kind of the same. And that's what I said. Like, you can look at that character and you can spot the, like, two or three shapes that build that character out. And it's just, like, a circle right. and then, like, kind of a, a drawn-out, like, maybe a teardrop or a diamond kind of shape. And that's about it. We have a we have a character named Solomon who is yeah. a part of this group called the Galactic Guardian Group, which I keep wanting to say Guardians of the Galaxy Group. Just call it G3 because that's what they or, call it on the show. I yeah. know, but I also kind of want to call it G2, the Gatorade product. They have <laughs> or you can call it just, sponsored yeah. by Gatorade. Yeah, my brain has pivoted multiple times off of just the G3 name. So Solomon is in charge of this group called G3. Yeah. And he 100% is Alucard in design from the Helsing anime. So yep. if you're familiar with Helsing, welcome. Alucard is in this. Just not a vampire. He's <laughs> not a vampire. As far as we know, yeah. he could be. As far as we know. Who could knows? be. Second season probably opens that up. It's so weird because sometimes you see him and he's got, you know, the, the kind of beady-eyed glasses with the red lenses and he's pretty intense. Uh, otherwise, he's like dressed all in black. But then there's like one moment in one of the later episodes where – they have some some uh, random like shirtless scenes of the dudes in this series, and they're just like jacked. They're just like super ripped, and I'm just like, you don't look like that when you have like your uniform and stuff on. Now all of a sudden you're like three times as big, like super ripped. But they actually made Solomon look like he's looking pretty good there in the end. And then he puts all his gear back on. So it's just kind of like, <laughs> what is this show? And I'll talk about that more. I don't know if it's going to be in my bad or my LOLs, but there's some. There's some the ratings. There's some ratings pushing stuff in this Oof. show too, especially Oof. because it aired on Cartoon Network like 2010, 2011. So we'll talk about that. Right. So to go with this, we have Alana. She is Tara Strong. Yeah. Tara Strong has been in hundreds of things. Everything. Harley Quinn, uh, Bubbles in Powerpuff Girls. Yep. Uh, longtime, you know, voice actress. She's done so many things that are in Cartoon Network that have kind of probably defined a majority of our childhood. Oh, She's sure. fantastic. Yeah. I think. She does a great job of kind of distinguishing and breaking this character out beyond just what we classically know her as uh, for some of these these characters from our childhood. So interesting to see and great to see something that is not familiar from Tara Strong. Yeah, so that definitely. was fun. We have Kevin Toms, who is the the voice of Lance. And he's kind of a newcomer relative to everybody yeah. else in the show. Exactly. So I thought that he did a great job with sort of some of the moodiness that's in here as well. Uh, and we'll talk about this because I think the voice acting is great. I have some notes about the voice directing yes. that I'll, we could talk about a little bit later on. Uh, but we have uh, General Julius Steele so is John DiMaggio. He's so good at He's this so one. Good. I love so this good. role for him. It's, it's, and he loves the role for himself, I, you can tell. I loved every minute of having General Steel. If there was a General Steel spinoff, I would watch that. Absolutely. And look, I would kickstart and fundraise. <laughs> and this is like... This is what I think of when I think of John DiMaggio. Like, he's got some range. He can play quite a few different types of characters. But when I think of a John DiMaggio voice, like, this is the character I want him playing. This, the Scotsman from Samurai Jack, like, 
Those yeah. are the guys I want him playing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Let me ask you a quick question. Did you have any uh, any any color theory? You beat me to it. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, you know the the interesting thing that we've talked about regarding color theory is that for a lot of times you will have enemies in shows be kind of like a purple or a blue color, like right. a darker blue color. Uh, so looking at that Roji Bib spectrum, it'll be sort of on the right hand side in the Bib um, section. The old so, Bib section. Old Bib. So looking at sort of some of those colors that you have on that side, classically, you will have good guys that sit in the Roy and the G, and then the Biv is the bad guys. That's been standard color theory for a lot of cartoons. This one's a little bit more interesting because yeah. for Lance in his robot armor that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later because it did make me laugh. It really looks like the dwarven armor from Skyrim. Yep. Uh, even like the comb that yep. is on the helm, <laughs> just like that large kind of like piece that the the plume and you know he's he's a soldier, yeah. You know from Galaluna, so it makes sense that he would have that kind of particular look. And his it, loadout makes sense too. He's got like right. crazy like uh, flying rockets and like huge Gatling guns, and he's much 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 bigger than Ilana's uh, version. Yeah. So he he's got all these things that are kind of included as a part of this this robot that he can he can turn into. But it is purple. Yeah. It is a purple robot. Mm-hmm. And then the things that make it even a little bit more interesting is that when they combine all three of them together to create Titan, there's still a little bit of a purple tint that is in there. Yeah. But because of the ghost jellyfish and the gold, <laughs> yeah, the gold Alana's rod gold. from she's, Alana. She's full on gold and she's more slight and she's speedy and she's got kind of like a shield. Uh, that right. she uses very often. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, she has an interesting color. I like that contrast between them, though, the gold and the purple together right. as a team. Yeah. But with the with the actual overlay then of Octus on top of them, it almost kind of has a little bit of a bluish hue. Mm. So it's kind of moving like from like the, the violet or indigo into kind of like a blue, something that might be a little bit safer. And it's even funny that like when you see the title card that says Symbionic Titan, mm-hmm. it's more of a blue color and outline where they show sort of the the profile of Titan himself. Mm, right. So it's a blue and a gold, which is interesting because there is sort of still a purple that's in there. So if you've been a long time listener, this breaks my color theory in half. Well, Break but it over I think your that's knee. interesting because I, I would imagine that color theory has to be a big part of the creation, storyboarding, character design process because you want to say a lot with as little as possible, right? So right. look at Voltron, look at Power Rangers. Um, you've got those distinct colors of each of those individual robots you match the pilots to them that makes it very easy for kids to just be like oh i like you know the black power ranger and the black what was it the oh my god i just blanked on what the actual mastodon uh you know like those two things are the same color so i like them together or whatever the same goes for voltron until they start to mix it up (laughs) later on and confuse kids everywhere yeah but it's hard because whenever they do the the bib section for people that they consider to be an enemy uh, they will typically do that in terms of like skin tone. And that's the so thing. Look at Voltron. Yeah. All exactly. all the, you know, Zarkon and his ilk are all very purple skinned. Purple skinned. And then we talked about it, what, a couple of weeks ago? I forget the, oh, what was it? Oh, Ulysses 31. Ulysses, Ulysses 31. Ulysses. Ulysses. 
had purple dude who's just like purple robed uh, mad scientist magician guy who's just like well, the moment the moment you see him you're just like you're evil because yeah, exactly. you're a new character so <laughs> and you're I, in purple I did like that they changed this up a lot and especially even like G3 G3 is an organization that's kind of extra military they act outside of uh, normal military uh, as kind of an anti-alien protection force and most right. of their color scheme is is black and red so it's very severe very uh, kind of strict did you say impressive oh i said uh it's impressive I, and aggressive no it's aggressive it's aggressive it's, yeah, and it's, impressive. it's very violent it's very violent looking it's yeah there's a clash there but it, it also looks cool and by the end of this first series uh first season i guess you everybody works together so it's the it's the symbionic titan the military and their typical kind of like khakis and greens and then uh even g3 kind of working together too so it was interesting to see all those colors kind of come together and uh, see how they played out i like that yeah Uh, coupled with the animation which was a great kind of like balance of traditional hand-drawn characters and then a lot of cg that actually works really well when it comes to the moving parts of the robots and the jellyfish ghosts and all that yeah tell me about tell me about the cg because you know we we've talked about cg in cartoons before, you know, even as far back as like reboot, yeah, when they they really did a great job. Again, you know, like weird to think about reboot because it was purple skin for some of those characters as well. Yeah, uh, like even Bob. The you know, sprites. even thinking about even thinking about robots such as Megaduce from the Big O. Yeah, is kind of like a purple and like a dark blue with like red kind of flare. Yeah, on him as well. Yeah, I don't know. That kind of he uh, he's more like a gunmetal. Um, I kind of put him, Symbionic Titan, and uh, uh, Iron Giant all kind of in the same in the same oh, okay. kind of category for me. Gotcha. But as far as like the CG in this one, I like that they had even in like the title sequence and some intro sequences, you get to see that traditional hand drawn animation kind of superimposed or overlaid on a CG background. And I think they went with the CG for things. That were effects heavy, right? So if you have, uh, say, a lightning energy monster that's just a bunch of like crackling, looks like one of those like Tesla coils or whatever you put your your hands on and the arcs of electricity, static electricity come out. That's hard to do in traditional hand-drawn animation. It's a little easier to do with uh, computer-generated stuff. So you can have those kind of like lightning effects or you can have that transparency that actually looks like it has a depth of field rather than just like a clear window. So things like animating Octus when he's in, in robot form, things like the symbionic Titan itself and battling against the Kaiju. It also gives you a different kind of look. Uh, there's not just the scale of it, but there's also a different kind of look when they're moving across like a hand painted background. They have right. more of a gravity to it. They have more of an otherworldly kind of feel, especially when even like general steals giant mech, the hammer, uh, goes like storming across, uh, through the city. Like they look different because they're animated differently, but it doesn't look bad. It actually looks good and adds to the story and the experience. Right. Especially for the year when this was released. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about, I hate to get into it, but we've talked about Canadian cartoons before Oof. and their use they sometimes. Know. They know. Uh, yeah, Canada knows. You know Canada. Yeah. And so just looking at some of the CG that we've seen from previous shows that we've had a chance to discuss, man, sometimes really bad. This very strategic in yes. terms of how they were using it and it really worked so well it wasn't overdone what they were attempting to accomplish yeah right so let me ask you this how did you feel about uh, we only got to see a few episodes and it was kind of a brief introduction to the series itself how did you feel about the story and how they kind of handled the story either episode specific or among these uh these various characters i really liked the storytelling in this 
you know, for the for the four episodes that I've had a chance to watch, you know, there there definitely seemed to be some good emotional punch in terms of them being able to to provide some some backstory and, and some history for some of these characters and what even say Octus slash Newton meant to Lance and Alana. Uh, and it, it's great to see that impact kind of threaded into an episode you know, such as episode 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much that's there that's very fun. Even at the end of episode 18, there is a moment where, uh, I don't think we're going to spoil anything. It's 10 years old at this point. Go watch it, guys. Uh, Where Octus gets attacked by this electricity monster that Dave has been talking about, this Tesla coil kind of cracking in space, uh, touches him and it drains his battery and they can't restart him suddenly. And so, they rightfully so they've built enough tension and emotion in that episode where when it hits you're like oh like, you know it's gonna happen it's predictable in terms of where the story is going yeah he loses like a, a foot earlier so you're right. just that's the foreshadowing so you're just waiting and, for it yeah yeah and it happens and it doesn't lessen the impact right. of that moment and then you begin to see something that is very fun which is tartakovsky beginning to do storytelling through just simply visuals and score. Yeah. And if you're familiar with a show that we've talked about on or recently, that's been a Tartakovsky uh, for adult swim being primal, mm-hmm. being able to see those elements of where we know, even going back to Dexter's lab yeah. that he's been able to, to do this visual scored storytelling to see that translate into this show. Again, it resonates with the, what you said earlier, Dave, there are moments when you're watching things where you have to just say that is distinctly Tartakovsky. And I love it. I love watching it. So to see it suddenly transition from voice acting and, and everything that's in there to just being able to tell the emotional gravity of a story and suddenly Lance dealing with what's taking place, it's brutal. Like yeah. it's, it's very cool to watch. And that's where you can tell Tartakovsky really shines. He's gotten better over the years as far as the writing goes, but... He really shined as a visual storyteller first, which is why most of his productions, if he was in charge of them, they didn't really script anything. They kind of uh, storyboarded it out first and then hit the emotional beats. The timing got all that down. And then they kind of just folded in the uh, the dialogue after the fact. So in other <laughs> words, it wasn't the dialogue, the narrative that was telling the story. It was the, the visuals, which right. is very clear here. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else for you, Dave, just in terms of good points i will say and i know i know this is a point of contention with you but i actually liked liked didn't love the theme song i couldn't i couldn't repeat it to you right now i just like that it was short and sweet it moved kind of into that era of it like adventure time where what i'm not comparing it as far as quality you're out of your mind i'm i'm simply saying we moved into the era where it's like a 10 or 15 second theme blip and that's all you get. So it's no longer like an actual theme song. It's just kind of like a fanfare. Uh, Dave, Adventure Time has a ukulele intro theme song that goes on for like more than like a flash in the the pan. This this theme song, if we're gonna if we're gonna transition, I want to get into this. <laughs> there was no theme song in this. It's not. This a theme song. was an afterthought. <laughs> this was. Uh, it's a fanfare. They didn't even try. That's they didn't even fair. try. You should have just put a, a title screen up and just a little bit of music and then transition into the episode. This d- 
didn't exist. And what makes this so frustrating, this, I'm sorry, this is, this is, this doesn't exist. This really, really upset me because I had recently gone back and watched the Dexter's Lab intro. Mm. And you look at Dexter's Lab, he is capable of making an incredible intro for a cartoon. He's done it time and time again. And this, even Samurai Jack. "Eh." Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Samurai Jack, wonderful storytelling, you know? Uh, Dexter does a great job of that visual storytelling with a score. Uh, the Samurai Jack like does both, but it also has some context in terms of bringing you into the story that's there. All of them incredible. This, wow, the worst. <laughs> like I almost I want I want Sean's passion for this case. Yeah, it's not. It's there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's 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 crap. It really is crap. It's like. Here's the characters, great title screen. Moving on. Yeah, I felt bad because before, like, reaching for the remote to just hit the skip intro button was so dumb. It, it was going to be over in five seconds. By the anyway. time you hit the so, button, it would have been done. Yeah. Yeah. Reach for the remote. It's already over. It's, it's already, already over. over. That's that kind of felt like a missed opportunity. I was I was a little bit bummed out. Now about wait, that. you watched the first episode though too. So did they have like an extended version of it or no, anything dude. like that? There, that's it. That's all you <laughs> <Nothing>. get. <laughs> what you see is what you get. And, and they the really WYSIWYG this up. We we really you know we talk about clip shows. We talk about dedicated animation. We talk about character roll call. This is yeah. This is just like a fanfare and it's just like burr, 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 and oh, that was this about was it. That's all you get. this was dedicated animation, but dedicated to being crap. Yeah, like, fair. That's was, fair. Yeah, it was a bummer. It was a real bummer. I just, will say, though, that sometimes I do like when you just hear here's the show and then just get to it. I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying I appreciate like, OK, I don't have to sit through a theme song. But but we've watched cartoons that do a great job of that even recently Yeah, where they have a great theme song and they 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 build in and they work on it. Kipo. Kipo has an unbelievably short theme song, yep. you know, that kind of goes from wherever the the Kipo were like the name Kipo is in the actual background of a scene to that like very, very short music number that's in there. And it just kind of gives you the title card and the age of the wonder beasts. Yep. And it's simple. The music is wonderful. Yeah. This was an afterthought. If that, yeah, it's like, it's super enjoyable. Like, you know, but even, even sometimes there have been cartoons that you and I have watched where they get closer to the end of a season and they just say, we're not going to give you the theme song. We're just going to let you jump right into the action because we know we left you at a cliffhanger. We want to bring you in. Sure. What a great artistic decision. This not here. Oof. Oof. Nice. <laughs> so I guess we're in the bad section. Yeah. Now I wanna I wanna bring up a point you made uh, earlier. The voice acting, I think, is okay. It's hard to separate it from the voice direction. Because sure. when you're being told to do one thing that may be the wrong thing, it's like, well, you're doing the wrong thing, but you're doing it really well. It's really hard to make that distinction between know, like, know. you know, bad. Di- I do think I agree with you, though, that it, it that lies on Tartakovsky. I don't know why he decided. I feel like his direction in the booth would have been like, make it more robotic or more alien. And I don't know how you really do that. Like robotic, fine. But that's <laughs> never not a criticism from people like their voice sounds too robotic. Like that's not a good thing. And. In just these few episodes, that it really bothered me how kind of like stilted a lot of the stuff was. It wasn't very natural. It wasn't conversational. Even 20 episodes in, these characters, even when they were just talking to themselves, not talking to other humans, not talking to it's like an awkward situation, just talking to each other, it still felt robotic and alien. I mean, for a show that focuses on robot aliens, Dave. <laughs> but it's like it's one of those things where I, I know what you're saying. I have the same issue with like three below. Sometimes right. in the earlier episodes, it's it's too, they're acting too much like 
they want to be something different. Like you might as well be a, a robot or an alien or a robot alien from the 50s or 60s where it was like they were so different to just drive home that point that like we are not from here. We're from a different planet. So we talk we talk like this. It's like it just feels artificial and you don't need it because these characters, they carry enough weight themselves. And if you've been paying attention to any of the plot, you don't <laughs> you don't need to be constantly being reinforced that like they're not from here. They are aliens or they're robots. You can figure that out when they morph into giant fighting robots <laughs> or turn into a ghost jellyfish. Like, oh, that's not Got human it. normally. Yeah. Like, I get it. Uh. Now, that being said, voice direction for John DiMaggio, which was hopefully just like, go ahead, John, just do your John, thing. John, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, do, John. Do we'll just, just... John, you're knocking it out of the park. <laughs> right. Exactly. Let it happen, buddy. And these, you know, Posehn and Strong and uh, Tom's, I think his last name was, they knew what they were doing, at least for Strong and Posehn. They know what they're doing. So that, I think, comes down to direction. Right. It just wasn't super strong. Did you have you an know, issue with any of the editing? <laughs> did I? Okay, good. Um, yeah. Uh, I, For me, there were moments where the camera would linger on a moment that had passed for like an extra beat. Mm. And it didn't make any sense to me. So... You know, if you if you're episode 18 took place on a weird kind of space station satellite, some of it. Yeah. And there were moments where they would run through a corridor and then all the characters would run off screen and then it would hover on the empty corridor where they just ran through for like just an extra beat or two enough where visually you can see it and you're like, why aren't we following the action in terms of what's happening this doesn't make sense to me visually, given how strong Tartakovsky is as a visual storyteller. There were just these like very weird extended lags that happened a couple times. I think it took him out of his element, like literally when you're, you're doing space station stuff. But, you know, if you go back to Samurai Jack, lingering on those scenes were always about staying in that moment for a little bit longer. He did right. it a lot more in his uh, Samurai Jack kind of finale recently. But I felt like when he did it in Samurai Jack, it was in like there was a reason that yes. you were focusing or looking on something, right. not an empty corridor. That's the thing. Like Samurai Jack was probably like, you know, it was like a quiet, still pond or even like Primal. You were like watching, you know, if there was like a massacre or whatever. And then the camera lingers over just like the the chaos and then the result of it, even if it's quiet now. That's to keep you in that moment. There's no reason to linger and just sit in this empty corridor when literally the action is happening down there. I think it's just a timing issue for him in this specific yeah. series. I think they had issues with editing. They had issues with transitions, definitely. There, there's something to be said about making a strong, sudden transition into things. But when you're literally jumping back and forth, not just through space, but through time, it's a little jarring and a little confusing at times to be like, where are we? Who are we when are, talking when with? Are we? When are we? Why are we talking to these people now? Why are you showing me a scene where you were sick out of context like three yeah. years ago or whatever? <laughs> like I get that he was trying to build up kind of a, a memory bank for these characters and, and have a, a peek into their pasts and their relationships together, especially knowing now, like foreshadowing that there was a loss that was coming. So we're hemming around a little bit, but uh, – Lance and Alana, you see some uh, memory flashbacks with them spending time with Newton. Even if they're just like very basic interactions, a conversation in a hallway, something I'll talk about in an LOL, uh, <laughs> just to remind you that they have like this emotional history so that when Newton is lost, presumably killed, it hits a little harder. It's just it was kind of really just shoehorned in there in a way I didn't 
I, I didn't think it was great. Speaking of Newton and yeah. Octus, any 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 thoughts or, or comments that you have in the bad section about this, Dave? Did you watch the sexy Kimmy scene? Yeah. It yeah. was something else. I mean, out of context, it's like, what is this? Even in context, it's not much better. I don't know that I've ever seen. What Are these supposed to be high school kids? Yes. It felt like a scene pulled out of like a, a slasher movie where like the kids go to the cabin and they all pair off. And the one sexy girl tries to like, uh, what's the word, flirt with and like, you know, rile up the nerdy guy or whatever. <laughs> That's exactly what this was. Now, I like Newton's. All, get them all horned up. All horned up. I like Newton's delivery in this because he just <laughs> was just like, just deadpan. Uh, but it was really weird to see them animate this like teenage high school cheerleader, sexy girl doing like, this was during like the twerking age, I guess. Because she definitely twerks. She somehow does like a stripper routine on a on a lamp. There are a lot of weird stuff. Now, granted, Sean and I went out of our comfort zone to watch this because it wasn't in any of the episodes we're talking about. But literally, if you look up Symbionic Titan and the characters, especially Newton or Octus, you'll come across this because it was such one of the weirdest moments that everybody wanted to talk about for whatever reason. So it, it's very curious. Awkward. Even even in the first episode, you know, whenever they whenever they crash land, they get confronted by. Uh, by Solomon and, and and the army, like yeah. almost immediately, they managed to escape, and it, in the escape, like the quick aftermath is uh, Newton saying, "I've enrolled everybody in school. Uh, we're going to be hiding out in high school." And then on the high school campus, he's explaining like who the jocks are, who the nerds are. And then he very clearly delineates and says, these are the cheerleaders. They are easily the most powerful group that is here and kind of moves in that direction. And you're just like, huh, that's weird. I wonder, wonder if that's going to come. Oh, it's coming back. And then we we even see in the finale, which I still don't understand. uh, Spoiler alert. Octus slash Newton comes back in ways that I still don't really understand how that happened. Uh, No, nobody really does. Nobody does. That's the cliffhanger. Yeah. But continue. Uh, But it's like Newton supposedly contacts Kimmy who's been waiting for him. So there's some kind of future for these two, though. I don't really know how it, how it's going to work out mm. <laughs> when she finds out more. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 10 years later. Yeah. That, that actually was something for me that was a little bit of a, that aired on the kind of the, the side of the bad there, there, there is a mysterious character who shows up yeah. at the the end in in episode twenty, and it's kind of curious because he's he's noted as being the G three superior, right? Who kind of even gives Solomon like you think Solomon's at the top of the food chain? No, there's this G three superior this character, trench coat that's wearing there. dude. Yeah, you you really don't you never see a face. You see hands typing on keyboards and you see him bringing up like you see presumably it's a he bringing up sort of some of the memories that they have uh from from octus to be able to show some of these like these horned up memories we've clearly gotten after dark uh yeah and so and and that was uh, to our credit that was where the first memory of uh kimmy doing her twerking pole dancing pops up it was when he's being like rebooted like i remember that so i bet you do but hard to forget that so there, there's a lot of stuff that goes there. Do you, I, we would not have gotten enough information watching these three episodes no. and, and the extra one that I 
watched, we would not have gotten enough to kind of understand who this character potentially would have been. But there evidently is some fan theory around this, Dave. Mm. You want to you you know a little fan I theory? I would love to hear fan theory. Okay, so G3 Superior is a character that is called Edward. Okay. And he is from Galaluna, and he is Lance's dad. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, and the, the whole thought or the idea is that in the, the first episode, the, the way that the kaiju get to Earth is through this technology called a rift gate. Sounds familiar. Right. Very familiar. Again, I really think Guillermo del Toro just like snatched up this cartoon and turned this into a movie. I want to talk about that before we move on to the LOLs. Yeah. Tell me more about Edward. So they, at some point when Lance's dad, Edward, was testing this Riftgate technology because he was obviously the lead scientist, uh, he went through and he disappeared in some of the initial testing and they never heard from him again. Oh, okay. The thought and the idea is that he has been helping Solomon on Earth create this force that could combat anybody coming through the, the rift gates because in the future. how else would they have prepared for the aliens or know that they're even out there? Okay, that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Sure. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Why is Edward all squat and, 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 and octus-shaped? Yeah, you know, you don't really, you don't really find out what this looks like. He Truthfully, he looks like uh, one of the characters from Last Man. Mm, the yeah. the the guy who owns the the boxing yeah <laughs> uh, with the like the mustache yeah um like in any of the flashbacks that it, it kind of shows like it looks like that particular character uh but you have no idea why he's got like a mechanical hand or he's a real squat so I'm sure that would be ask Guillermo two. del Toro yeah exactly I want I really want to know the backstory here so I want to know if these two guys hang out and Gendy just kind of does like he's like oh I'm working on this animated things and here's my idea and Guillermo's just kind of like that's cool. And then he wants to make like the live action version of it. And that's huh. what happens because he's kind of done it twice now. Maybe he just really is a fan of symbionic Titan and he wants to, he's just inspired by it. I don't know. Pacific Rim takes stuff almost verbatim from this show. <laughs> and then three below takes the central idea minus the, the Titan stuff and does it again. Uh, so it's really interesting. Like even right down to the alien siblings fleeing uh, to earth with kind of an older protective force with them. Three Below was a lot like that, and a lot like Symbionic Titan. I would love to have those two sit down and just be like, when you get together for coffee or drinks or whatever you do, like, do you just share ideas and then each of you kind of run with that general idea in your own specific region, or what's the deal here? Because there's a lot and, of crossover. And hopefully it's a friendly conversation. Oh, I'm sure. It's not like them sitting down like, I brought my lawyer and we'd like to talk about intellectual property. Having spoken to both of them, I can't imagine there's any kind of animosity or even competition. Right. I feel like it's just kind of like good, positive, creative energy. They have to bond over the same kinds of things. I guarantee those two have the same, like you and I. If they were to sit down and do an animation podcast, they would geek out over the same kind of stuff that, that we do. It right. would just be maybe shifted generationally 10 years or so, but it would be the same kind of thing. It's just that rather than doing a weekly podcast, they're actually making, you know, multi-million dollar uh, productions. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know. Same thing. Pretty much the same thing is what same I'm saying. Thing. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'd, I'd love to have them, you know, sit down with them, talk to them together and just see where that comes from. But, uh, but yeah. Anything else on the bad side. I don't think so. It was a pretty solid show. There wasn't anything that really made me kind of like take notice like oof, that was really rough. It was it was pretty solid throughout. I will say this isn't a bad thing, but because we're transitioning into LOLs, uh a little more drama heavy in these last few episodes. There's definitely laughs to be found. 
but because of the stakes and because they were ending the season slash series and because they killed off more or less a main character, <laughs> like it's a little more dramatic than it was comedy. Yeah. But uh, there are definitely Tartakovsky funny moments in there, which I'm sure right. you have a lot of. Let, let's let's get into some of these funny moments. A lot of these moments involve very specific characters. Yes, that they had that were in there, and I don't know why I laughed, but there is a there's a news reporter who <laughs> just happens to be on the scene for no other reason than just his name alone. Every time he would say something, be like, "I'm Brick Jackson," and for some reason, Brick Jackson. Chef's kiss of a stuff. name. I love it. It's good stuff. I love it. I he, will say, yeah, go ahead, Brick Jackson. Oh, he came on like two or three times yeah. in those last couple episodes, and I, I laughed every time. I was like, this is so silly. And I just love too that he was on the side of the Titans. Like he was like super right. excited to see the Titans return, and he wasn't a big fan of like General Steel, and kind of like told him to go off camera or whatever. But like, right. yeah, Brick Jackson was good. I will say when I first plopped down to watch this, the very first thing I watch in episode eighteen. You're on a space station. The Klaxons are kind of wailing. There's a soldier who's like knocked down. I know, LOL, right? Uh, and then Solomon comes in and he's got the the crazy glasses with the red kind of beady eyes. And I was just like, is this a Venture Brothers cartoon? <laughs> it looked like it could have been straight lifted. Like it, if they would have rolled to that like Venture Brothers fanfare and, and title shot, I wouldn't have been surprised. I would have thought I clicked on the wrong link. Um, but the LOL comes from that. It's just the soldier that's laying on the ground. As Solomon asks him, like, what happened? The soldier just screams, energy! It just, like, points behind him, and then he immediately dies. Like, those are your last words, sir. Those are your last words. Energy! Energy! And that's what made me think, like, I might be watching a Venture Brothers cartoon. No, I could see that. Yeah. Without any context, I could 100% see that. Yep. We've talked a little bit about General Steel. Yeah. I want to equate him to another show that I love. Ren and Stimpy. Sure. It looks like Anthony's dad slash the Lummox slash George Licker. Yeah. All kind of rolled into one character from Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. He is that sort of like classic old machismo, toxic garbage attitude, uh, just like all sandwiched into a lazy boy recliner. Uh, <laughs> a little just, bit of American pride pumped in uh, there. Yeah. It, it just, you know, some of it was, some of it was good. Some of it was bad, but there were just these, like certain moments where he would say a phrase like jumping Jehoshaphat, uh, which just made me laugh because who actually says that? And it, it's it, John DiMaggio. Keep in it's mind, John too, so, like... so, you know, just every time there's uh, there's the moment where he's in his lazy boy and he's flipping through the channels and they're like, hammer, hammer, hammer. And if we haven't explained hammer, it's the large robot uh, that What's they the stand have. For? Right. It's a. Oh, my gosh. It's Homeland. <laughs> Uh, mobile emergency robot. Yep. Which uh, they actually so, did not even build themselves. They co-opted an alien rocket ship that had landed and brought another species here. And then they took that and turned it into their own uh, machine. So Right. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's flipping through the channel and they're, they're giving him praise on television. And then his phone rings, presumably to maybe give him more praise. Yeah. Uh, and he just goes, can I have a minute? <laughs> <laughs> He's been watching the, the hammer like commercials uh, slide through for the last like 30 seconds at this point. And just yelling and just yelling. Screaming. Like, hammer, hammer, the hammer, 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 like over and over and over again. That 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 character just made me laugh. And there were silly things throughout. So like uh, in one of the early in, in episode 18, it's Octus's slash Newton's birthday. So he gets a birthday present. 
silly scenes. And this is when I talk about Tartakovsky being a visual storyteller. Just like this little box that Alana gives him. He opens it up. And then he spends probably a few seconds too long just like ripping out the packaging that's in it. Just like tissue paper. Just so much tissue paper for like five seconds. That's a lot of tissue paper. Just little things like that are, are funny because they're just off enough to just they're just funny. They just kind of make you laugh. Uh, I love little things like that. Um, similar to like, you know, Octus again, he was taking care of uh, Alana at one point because she was sick. Things that you don't expect to happen, like his chest cavity open up and there just be like a roaring <laughs> fireplace with him there. And she's like, I can feel the warmth. I'm sure it was just like a, a digital projection or whatever, but it was just like very silly moments like that. I loved him. I honestly thought for a couple seconds, I was like, oh, somebody lit that poor robot on fire in his yeah, chest. They lit that ghost jellyfish up. <laughs> uh, you and I both agree that there's a moment where there's a proposal that's about to happen that's such we both a good scene. Very funny. Set yeah. that up for us because we've got what? We've got kaiju who are now, this is like at the very end, right. kaiju who are now crashing to earth uh, in three separate areas while our heroes are all fighting each other in the meantime. So we, we suddenly cut to, uh, as we were seeing this like one big yeah. like lump come through a rift gate with a kaiju and then it splits apart into three and then they crash land at three different areas. One, you don't really know what it is. One, San Francisco. One looks like it's presumably France. Yeah, Paris, yeah. Uh, Paris. And so uh, the one in Paris, you see a guy on what looks like an Eiffel Tower and he, Dave, he's sweating. Oh, he's nervous. He's sweating. He's with a lovely lady. Yeah. Uh, he begins to reach in and like get down on a knee and like open up open up the the engagement ring box and then suddenly that comment just like whoosh like it seems like I thought it was gonna kill him I was concerned it was gonna smash right into him yeah I was like that's (laughs) rough because they decimate almost everything all San Francisco gets destroyed Guillermo del Toro so yeah uh and so they they just have this this comment with this kaiju come down and like smash and it frightens the poor woman who just screams out no in response to the kaiju comet, right. not to the guy it's with a, the the, the it's ring. A bad case of timing. Yeah, but it's a very fun visual gag to see him kind of like close up the ring box. He's just like, like oh. it's so funny because she obviously is paying attention to the impending doom and disaster, and he's <laughs> hyper focused on like her response to this. So then, just the fact that he doesn't even clock that like this kaiju just roared by them, and he's just like, oh. It was sad and hilarious at the same time. Little touches like that in the middle of this, like, climactic, series-ending, dramatic story are just absolutely hysterical. And it's something that Tartakovsky and his his team do really well. I will say, too, you were talking about General Steel earlier and the giant hammer robot. Because this thing is so big and clunky and just has so many, like, just big, chunky parts to it. When it's first uh, set up and battling a kaiju before these other ones show up, he just screams, evasive action! And it doesn't move. It just sits there. And then you see on its like left side, like a half dozen just huge rockets fire and just slowly slide it to the side. So it can like dodge an incoming attack or whatever. I, I love it's so that chunky. strafe yeah. was its power, like, With, was like, its secret energy. And you just had to, dodge burn, to the side. like a hundred million gallons of fuel just to slowly like slide it to the side. And that's how it or, dodged. Or just even the fact that like Hammer's like finishing move or like one of its finishing moves uh, is like the skull crusher. Yeah, which, from wrestling. Like, yeah, which must have been thousands of thousands of gallons of fuel to oh, get yeah. it above the kaiju and then just cut, like extend a leg, <laughs> cut the engine and then just, just drop. drop. <laughs> 
Watching that thing move is really fun. I I would not be surprised if Del Toro and Tartakovsky talked about giant robot like mechanics and physics and adding weight to these things so they're not just all flying around like a Megas XLR or anything like that. Like actually add some like heft, some chunk to these things. Oh, this these things are fun. heck of chunks. Especially Hammer. what they look like, yeah. Like Titan, when, when uh, spoiler alert, Octus is finally able to rejoin the team and they can reform Titan, watching that thing kind of like newly powered up and, and ripping through these kaiju, that was a lot of fun. That was one of the best sequences, I think, in the in the whole series. But uh, right. yeah, it was good times. Anything else made you laugh? Uh, I'm at a weird age where watching all of this stuff with General Steel doing all these things... <laughs> He General Steel makes mention the fact that uh, Hammer is American made yeah. thanks to taxpayer money, yeah. and I'm at an age where suddenly he said that, and I was like, "How much money are we spending on that was this?" A lot, that was a lot like, of waste. Oof, that's a lot, bud. I mean, that invasive making... action cost about six billion dollars. <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, exactly. I was like, R and D on a huge robot, destruction of all these cities. I mean, think about all the different agencies that are getting involved. This vote is local, game. kids. Vote local. Yeah. Yeah, vote local. Kids, I say, to the kids who can vote. Everybody. Uh, I will say Lance, surprisingly, made me laugh more often than anybody else just because of the situations that they put him in. So at one point, mm-hmm. he's trying to reboot Octus, and he tries to plug into like the, the motel that they're staying in. He, pl- he tries to plug into their electrical grid, and he ends up shorting out the entire like <laughs> block or grid itself. That was kind of funny. Uh, he has another moment when he's in his robot form and he's just like carving up all these military jets, just like flying around, just like slicing them in half. At one point he kind of like lands on one and then like gestures to the pilot, like you should just hit the button. button. Yeah. And the pilot just looks at him, gives him a thumbs up and then just ejects. So he doesn't get slaughtered. He's just like, thanks for the heads up, but really cute moments like that. There's that there's even in the first episode when they get to school and there's that always that awkward introduction in homeroom. Mm where the teacher says, we have Lance, he's a new student. Lance, would you like to tell the class something about yourself? Yeah. And just as like a moody, teen, emo kid, he sits there and just goes, no. And every girl in the classroom suddenly like springs up and is like, oh, hey. Anything else from the LOL? I think that was pretty much it. Like I said, uh, there's a few character moments here and there, but mostly they were more dramatic towards the end so i would imagine there's a lot more funny stuff throughout the series itself but hey a good reason to go back and watch what about you absolutely no uh i don't think there's any other lols so let's get into our recommendations cool as a recap we can recommend a cartoon and we can say why we think it's a good use of your time we can also conversely not recommend a cartoon and say exactly why we don't think it's worth your time and possibly make a recommendation on something else that would be better if we don't recommend something, we can go one step further and we can give it the dip. Yes, the dip from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It erases it from the annals of cartoon history in the 276 episodes. I believe we've had four or five dips. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, ish. So a uh, couple cartoons have actually been dipped. We can't talk about them any- anymore. You know why? Cartoon lawyers. And they don't <laughs> exist. And they don't exist. We've set up these rules and now we are living by them. Uh, so four... Jesse's recommendation of Sim Bionic Heighten. Dave, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, uh, in few words, it's a Tartakovsky joint. It's aliens. It's robots. It's giant fighting robots. 
And it's a, it's a pretty solid character story at the same time. So it's a shame we didn't get to see more of this. But, like Sean mentioned, there are 20 episodes out there. They tell a really good story. They're available on Netflix now. So, yeah, I'd say I recommend it. How about you? I'm in the same boat. Jesse, great recommendation. Good job, This bud. is a recommend for me as well. I really enjoyed this. It was very fun. There's a lot of things that felt very accessible, as I've mentioned. I, I hate to kind of go through a laundry list of things to reference. but There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, and everything I, from and Tartakovsky, I, everything from Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> yeah, right. Everything from other uh, weird anime that I've watched. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of uh, good things that are that are here that are interesting. I like to see the idea that we talked about at the very beginning of the show, which is kind of the, I don't know, maybe it's sort of the the posit or the idea that they have in this cartoon about sort of making sure that for the Galilunans that you can actually kind of merge these three different facets of a person. So mm-hmm. heart, body, and mind, which really kinds of come, which really comes into play nicely uh, for our three main characters that we have and, and sort of their, their combined goal, despite, you know, these interesting opposition forces of the U S military, as well as also G three, who sort of becomes a friendly to them over time. Yeah. So I think for the character dynamic and the the dynamics of the different groups that they have, plus, as Dave said, giant fighting monsters, uh, kaiju, giant fighting robots, all of this was a lot of fun. All of these are available, all 20 episodes for season one on Netflix. I had a blast watching this. This might become my cartoon that I watch for like the next week or two nice. while I'm having breakfast in the morning. So I, I had a great I had a great time with this. So thank you, Jesse. Really appreciated this. So great recommendation. Ah, that's it. We got all the way through it. We got all the way through <laughs> we did it. Symbionic Titan. We yeah. did it. Ah. Well, Jesse, thank you for your recommendation. Another thank you that we have to give out is somebody else that you heard on this show. Our Who buddy that? Bobby Anthem. Yeah, the soul. Yep. You heard him on this episode. You can also hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, with his co-host Bobby Blades. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast if you want to chat with them. And Bobby also has a solo show called In Search of My Lost Soul. It's in the same stream as Inhuman. So find Inhuman and listen to In Search of My Lost Soul. I think there's about nine episodes that are out right now. Uh, It's fantastic. You can find Inhuman Experience anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere else. Check it out. Dave, what do you got going on, buddy? Same old stuff, bud. You can find me over at Collider.com covering games for the most part and also a little bit of animation here and there. You can follow up with me on Twitter at DrClawMD. And if you're looking for that summer beach read while you're social distancing, check out The Science of Breaking Bad from MIT Press, available on Amazon. What's new with you, bud? Oh, man. Uh, I would typically say, as always, I do live improv comedy. But you don't. With a group that's called Knox. But that's when we're not in a pandemic. We actually are doing shows over the internet that stream on Facebook Live. Uh, So you can check them out. I think the the next one that we... We have a couple that are coming up in July. You can find all the information about Knox uh, through... Washington Improv Theater. They are witdc.org to check out more information on them. As always, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Paul Ellis, as well as also we are wrapping up the second season of the improvised comedy podcast that I do, which is called The Bureau. You can check out The Bureau. It has notable guests from this show, such as Jamal Newman, as well as also Isabel Galbraith. You can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just search for The Bureau. We're at the FBI. We're in a break room and we're doing a podcast. That's the conceit. You'll have fun. Uh, uh, For this little show, yeah, 
Saturday morning cartoons. Want to support us? Oh my God, you're like the nicest human in the world. Thank you so much. Go over to our Patreon. Just go and search Saturday morning cartoons on Patreon. Just remember it's morning with a U. Everybody loves to remind us that it's probably the wrong spelling. It's not. Even both local and state governments. Yep. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. If you don't want to support us on Patreon, we totally get it. But you can also just simply tell a friend because we don't understand how Apple iTunes and reviews. If you want to go on Apple iTunes and reviews, we'd super appreciate that. But also, we'd just appreciate it if you told tell a friend. Tell somebody that you think likes cartoons that would want to listen to this. Have them submit a recommendation for us to listen to. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Just remember, it's morning with a U. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, Saturday Morning Cartoons. And drop us an old-fashioned email, saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com. You can find everything that we've talked about in the link tree, which is in the bio for all of our social media sites. And as always, you can listen to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Thank you so much, Jesse, for submitting for this. We super appreciate it. We'll probably be back with another user recommendation because we know a lot of you have called in and left us messages. So Some of them threatening. Yeah, so keep it up up, guys or keep it up either one settle down but also keep it up (laughs) find that happy medium (laughs) yeah wherever that is that's what we're targeting here threaten us kindly yeah yeah right (laughs) threaten us with love that's it from us and we'll talk to you soon bye bye hey everybody thanks a lot for listening to saturday morning cartoons now if you'll excuse me i have to transform and roll out